beautiful. And Madison, that was just beautiful. Thank you so much. Didn't you enjoy that? Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. And uh, we are <clears throat> going to look at a second part in just a three-part series on the new year. What lies ahead? Preparing for the journey. This, uh, this year could bring difficulties and, or blessings or tears or laughter and probably all of those things. And God wants us to be prepared. And in this passage, the Apostle Paul is writing to prepare the Philippian believers for their journey, their Christian journey. And uh, not New Year's necessarily, but uh, their, their journey. Uh, of the Christian life. And so you and I are starting this new leg of our journey uh, in this new year. If you remember the <clears throat> outline I, I showed you last week of the chapter, if you look back at your screen for a minute, uh, remembering and celebrating your salvation. That's the first nine verses. That's what we were doing when we were singing today. We were celebrating our salvation, the blood and the cross and forgiveness of sin. And then part two is what we're going to look at today, the middle section of this chapter, and that is desire and participate in your sanctification. And then the third part we'll look at later, know and anticipate your glorification. All of those things right here in this one chapter. And uh, so we're going, to, we're going to read verses 13 and 14, and then keep your Bibles open. We're going to cover about seven verses here. Look at verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to, appre to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Pray with me. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the beautiful singing and the special by the Moors. And uh, we just give you praise for our great salvation and your love for us. Now speak to us and teach us as we begin this new year again. Remind us how important it is, uh, our growth and uh, this uh, subject of sanctification. We'll thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In uh, 2017... Christianity Today ran an article about a young man named uh, Abbas Hamid. He was born in Iraq. He was one of eight children. He was raised in a home with very little spiritual teaching at all. When he was an older teenager, his father came to Christ, and his life was changed. And uh, uh, Amos said he, he noticed a difference and that in his dad and uh, was amazed at the change in his personality. At the age of 19, uh, Amos joined the Iraqi police after going through the academy. It wasn't long after that that the U.S. came nearby and he joined the uh, uh, U.S. Uh, police there and uh, 
became a part of a SWAT team. Four years after that, he was assigned to the Army's 82nd Airborne Division, where he met a man, Sergeant Scott Young. Now, Amos talks about Scott Young, and now I'm, going to quote, I'm reading this, I'm quoting his words, Amos here writing. I realized there was something different about him, this man, Sergeant Young. He had a book in his knee pocket all the time. Every time we had a break, I observed him reading and I was intrigued. He kept a book in his pocket down there on his knee and he read it when he had occasion. And so eventually, Amos finds out it's a Bible and Scott gets him a Bible. And he says, I started to read it for myself. And I kept going back to Scott to ask questions about what I was reading. And because of Sergeant Young's witness, Abbas says, I placed my faith in Jesus Christ. Then he writes, The next morning, the whole military company noticed a change, just as I had noticed a change in my father after his own conversion. I had a smile on my face, and I wasn't as mean as before. <laughs> That's an interesting way to put it, isn't it? I wasn't as mean as before. God had worked a huge and powerful transformation in me. You know, God wants to continue to work a transformation in us as believers. To use Amos's word, he wants to make us less and less mean <laughs> and more and more loving. Less impatience, less defensiveness, less harsh words, more patience, more kindness and gentleness. Less mean and more loving, more Christ-like. That's sanctification. That's the ongoing transformation or conforming of us that takes place after we come to Christ and continues until we are in heaven saved. This is a powerful book, the Bible, and it can transform lives as it did with uh, a moss. Well, if you look at your screen for a moment, I want to try to answer up front what's the, this goal that Paul's talking about. We read those verses a moment ago. He talked about reaching towards a mark, pressing towards a goal, and reaching forth and so forth. So what is this goal? What is this high calling that Paul is pressing toward? Well, it is, of course, sanctification. Sanctification is... It comes from a, a root word, uh, hagios. Hagios means to set apart for something special in the sense of uh, when it's referring to God and God's people, it's setting us apart unto God. 
the, um, the, the furniture in the tabernacle were said to be uh, uh, set apart, sanctified. They were set apart for God's use. That's what God is doing in us. He's setting us apart for his use. So the word, the word sanctify, dedicate, consecrate, set apart for God. But then the idea here is, of course, in, includes Christian growth. We're growing in our Christian faith. And then it's the idea of spiritual maturity. Two times in this text, we'll come across a Greek word, teleos. And in the King James, it's translated perfect. In the New King James, it's translated perfect one time and mature the second time it comes around. Dr. Wiest translates it spiritual maturity. So what Paul was striving for was spiritual maturity, pressing on uh, that he might mature in the faith. And then pleasing Christ is a part of all of this. We want to please Christ so that one day, maybe when we stand at the judgment seat, we'll hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Wouldn't that be glorious? But to put it all together, and I, I think when you put it all together into one package, we have this term Christ-likeness. Paul was striving towards Christ-likeness. That was his goal. That was his great purpose. Look at the way uh, Romans 8.29 puts it. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. By the way, this is the verse that comes right after Romans 8.28. We know that all things work to, for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. Here's his purpose that he's working everything together for. To make me and you more like Christ. To conform, transform our lives to be more like Jesus. And then in uh, 2 Corinthians 3... It says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass. The glass there can be translated mirror. It's a euphemism for the word, the Bible. We look into the Bible like a mirror. We see ourselves. We see the Lord. When we look into the word, the glory of the Lord, uh, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory. The same image, that's the image of Christ even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Holy Spirit uses the holy book to transform us into the image of Christ. And so that's that great goal. Sanctification, Christ-likeness, spiritual maturity, Christian growth, pleasing Christ, and uh, Christ-likeness. Now with that said, let's go back and uh, let's look at Verse 10. Look back at verse 10 with me, if you would. It says, this, is, this begins the section on the sanctification. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. At the very center of Christian growth, at the very heart of Christian growth, is knowing Christ better and better 
Now in verse 9, he had talked about knowing Christ in salvation. Here he's talking about knowing Christ in sanctification. Here the verbs are in a tense that means continual action. The idea is that I may continue to come to know him better and better. That's the idea. That's the real heart of sanctification in Christ's likeness. Knowing the Lord Jesus better and better and better. And then notice he says, not only knowing him, but then I want to come to know the power of his resurrection. That is, the power that rose him from the dead. The power of, the, of Christ living in our lives. The risen one lives in us. And Paul wanted to know more and more that power of Christ and his resurrection living in us. And the fellowship of his suffering. Now, we cannot fellowship in his vicarious suffering. We cannot fellowship in his substitutionary suffering. Jesus paid it all. He did that. We have no part in that. But Jesus suffered. He was, he was treated disgracefully. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we, we recognized him not. He was misunderstood and mistreated. And when you and I are going through times of suffering, we can fellowship with him. And as the old preachers used to say, the troubles and problems and sufferings of life crowd us to Christ. We realize how much we need him when we're going through those difficult times. And we fellowship. The word fellowship means to participate with, to share with. And he shares with us in our sufferings. And then being made conformable unto his death. Not that we would die physically, but just like baptism symbolizes, we are buried with Christ and raised to walk in newness of life. And so we, we come to the place where we die to our own strength and... and to the extent we die to our own strength, we can lay hold of the power of the resurrection. And so this is a great verse at the really core of sanctification. Now the Amplified, the Amplified's not exactly a translation, though it is, and it's called that, but it's more than just a translation, it's an amplification, that's the reason for the name. So it puts the definitions of words and so forth kind of right there in the text for you. And the Amplified does a tremendous job of catching those verbs that are in the present tense and this continual action of knowing the Lord. Look at your screen for a moment and let's look at that first part of that verse we just read, verse 10. Paul says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that what you want for this year? Tell the Lord in your heart, that's what I want. I want to know you, Lord, more intimately, more clearly. I want to see the wonders of your person. That we may know him. Remember the word know. I explained it last week. But I'll mention it again. That word. Particular word that Paul uses. Means to know personally. 
the knowing of experience. So we come to know him experientially better and better and better. Now look at the second half of that verse. And that I may know uh, in that same way, that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. And that I may so share his suffering as to be continually transformed in spirit into the likeness even to his death. And in the hope, of course, uh, ties it to the next verse. Now look at verse 11. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now Paul is not hoping here that he's going to make it in the resurrection. In other places, Paul makes it very clear that he knows he's going to make it. He's assured of that because God's word promises to those who put their faith in Christ, they have everlasting life, a present possession, and that heaven will be our home one day. We will be resurrected. Paul's speaking again of that resurrection power living in, in this life, living in the power of his resurrection. That's what he's striving for. That's what he wants to attain. And, and uh, he goes on to elaborate on that in verse 12. Not as though I had already attained. So he says, I, I, I have not obtained that the way I want to. I'm not living in the power of his resurrection the way I want to. But my desire is to experience that more and more. Not as though I had already obtained, neither were already perfect. Perfect, that's the word teleos I spoke about early on. The word teleos means to be full grown. It doesn't mean perfect in the sense of, we, you and I might think of sinlessness if when we use the word perfect in the Christian life. Uh, that's not the thought here at all. The Greek word means something that is complete, something that's full grown and uh, it can it, it, it can be used of uh, uh, the, your mental aspect people who have become uh, mentally full grown are morally full grown in this sense it's talking about spiritually full grown he says I have not obtained that yet but I follow after now Think about this. This is the Apostle Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament, inspired by the Holy Spirit, of course. And at this point, when he's writing this, he's already been saved 30-plus years. He's had 30 years to grow, to be more like Christ, to know the Lord more and more intimately. But it's not enough. He wants to grow more. And he says here he has not attain that which he would desire. You know, it's a good thing for God's people to confess and recognize they haven't arrived and that there's always more growth ahead of us. And to desire that growth, that's what Paul says. Notice then he says, halfway through verse 12, uh, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. And so he says, Jesus has apprehended me. 
That's his salvation. He has taken me as his own. And he's apprehended me for a purpose, and that is to bear his image here on earth. And I want to now lay hold of that for which he laid hold of me. We're seeing Paul's heart and desire and God's heart and desire for us to move on. God doesn't want us just to be saved and sit on the pew and one day go to heaven. He wants us to come to know him intimately while we're here on earth. And then he wants us to be Christ-like so that other people will see our lives the way uh, Amos saw um, Sergeant Young's life. And he knew he wanted something that that man had. Well, he says, uh, then that brings us to our text in verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Paul focused this one thing. Now, I'm not saying to you this morning that you should quit your job and, and never go play golf or whatever and, and just read the Bible all day long. Uh, when Paul says this one thing I do, he doesn't mean it's the only thing he did because we know he traveled, he ate, he probably cooked around the fire uh, when they, and he put up tents and we, knew, and we know that sometimes when they needed money he, he um, went back to his, his trade. He was a tent maker by trade and he sometimes he made tents. And so you can see the Apostle Paul in your mind sitting there sewing, you know, pieces of tent together, making a tent. So he did a lot of other things. But the idea is here is that this is the thing that's most important to me. This is the thing that matters most. This is that one thing that drives me that I might know him and become more like him. This one thing I do. And in that, I'm forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are ahead. Forgetting what's behind doesn't mean we forget they happened, of course. There's some things we would like to forget happen and really wipe it from our memory, but that's not possible. But to forget here means not to let it hinder the present or the future. Some people need to forget their past failures because they keep, you know, Satan keeps reminding them of their past failures maybe before they were saved or even after they are saved. Satan will whisper in your ear and say... You'll never be a good Christian. You'll never remember what you did. What's washed in the blood is gone forever. As far as the east is from the west. Amen? So leave it there. Under the blood of Christ, washed away. Gone forever. But good things. Some people that have done some good things in the past, they kind of rest on their laurel, so to speak. You know, they rest on what they've done in the past and are doing nothing now. Paul says don't do that. God says don't do that. We need to press on in our Christian experience, in our Christian life. Notice, then he says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before now, all of these terms in these two verses here come from the athletic world of Paul's day, uh, probably of a runner. Could be of a, of a sprinter or long-distance runner, or it could be 
uh, from some other sport like uh, wrestling of that day. But probably it's running, reaching forth to those things that lie ahead, reaching the finish line, not looking back. You know, when you, if you're running, the worst thing you can do is look back. It slows you down, lose your balance and tempo and so forth. Don't look back. Just keep running. And then notice that, that term, I press towards the mark. That term was used of a runner that's right getting close to the, to the finish line. And he's leaning in. You've seen it many times with sprinters. They lean in and sometimes they win. They beat someone by a fraction of an inch because they lean in in those last seconds. That's that term. I press towards the mark, the finish line, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Fifteen, let us therefore as many as be perfect. Now there's the word teleos again. doesn't mean some of the people there were perfect. It meant some of them were spiritually mature. They weren't completely mature. They weren't mature in the sense they had no room to grow. But he says, now those of you who are mature in the faith, be thus minded or have the same attitude. If you're mature in the faith, then your attitude ought to be you're pressing towards more maturity to know the Lord better and to represent him better. And if any, uh, and, and if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So he said, think about it, God will reveal it to you if you have a different attitude about growth. And, uh, and then 16, nevertheless, whereto we have already obtained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. So wherever our, wherever our place of growth is, whatever we know about the Lord and how well we know him, walk according to that. Be obedient to what you know. And uh, verse 17, brethren, be followers together of me. Now, Paul just said he wasn't perfect. He hadn't arrived yet. But he still said, be followers of me. That is, have this same attitude about striving, pressing towards the mark of maturity, of Christ-likeness. Press towards that mark like me. And mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Now, let's kindly put it together and think through it. Look back at your screen for a moment. Here is the attitude God wants us to have in this new year to prepare us for this journey we're on. He wants us to have an attitude of desire for spiritual growth, aim, and purpose. This one thing I do, and I do a lot of other things too, and you do too. You have to work. You have to make a living. You have to take the, your, the kids to soccer games. And you have all kinds of things you have to do. But when Paul said, this one thing I do, he's saying, this is the most important thing that I do. And that is pressing towards the mark of knowing the Lord better. And so, an attitude of desire... You know, the thing that causes us to desire to please the Lord more than anything else is what he has done for us on the cross. 
That's what makes the first part of this chapter so important. Remember the first part of the chapter? Remember and celebrate your salvation. If you're remembering the blood and the cross and forgiveness of sin and you've been snatched out of a devil's hell, you're on your way to a glorious heaven, when you remember that, it will cause you to desire to do what the Lord wants you to do, to go forward and to make progress and to grow. So desire and then participate. Remember that word sharing, a fellowship meant to share and participate in. We have to be a part of that sanctification. And then forgetting those things which hold us back, good or bad, leave them in the past, and then press on, follow after, reaching forth like an athlete who trains and performs in an event. Put that kind of dedication to it. Put that kind of emphasis on it. Going forth. Growing in this coming year. And then we see the process of conforming us. This is the process he takes us through. Knowing him intimately. As I said, that's the center and the core of it. Getting to know him better and better. But then we can, as we get to know him better and better, we can experience the power of his resurrection working in our lives. And then we experience the fellowship of His suffering. When we're going through difficult times, He's right there with us and we participate in fellowship with Him in that suffering. And He teaches us. Isaiah says, there are treasures in the darkness. There are some things we only learn when we're going through darkness. Not the darkness of sin, but the darkness of tribulation and trial. And then we experience the conformity of his death. He died for sin. We should die to sin. We should die to our own strength that we might know his strength in its place. And then here's the tools God uses to conform us. He conforms us with suffering you know, the Bible speaks about that all through, that uh, tribulation, work of patience, and many other uh, virtues as well. He uses suffering. When troubles and trials come this year, remember, he wants us to flee to him, draw and fellowship with him in that suffering. And then we learn by example. Paul said, follow me. He said, I'm your example. And then watch other people who are also following after me. We learn by seeing, being around other Christians who are dedicated to Christ, and we learn from those examples. And then we also learn from fellowship. You know, the book of Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron. And uh, when we're in fellowship with, with God's people, it sharpens us. We may not even notice it, but it happens gradually and wonderfully. Fellowship. And then the greatest tool he uses is the Word itself. It's the Word. We looked in 2 Corinthians earlier in the message. It's the Word that we look into and see the glory of the Lord. And as we behold Him in His glory in that Word, He transforms us by the Spirit of God. So it's the word that he uses most of all in, as a tool to mature us.
Notice 1 Peter. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That's how we're going to grow. Now, he's not talking to new Christians when he says as newborn babes. He's not saying if you're a babe in the Lord, <clears throat> then desire the sincere milk. No, not at all. He's talking to all believers, new ones, uh, middle-aged, and those who have been saved 60, 80 years. If you've been saved 80 years, you're way on up there, aren't you? He says, as newborn babes desire milk. Think about how much a baby desires milk. They cry when they don't get it. You put it in their mouth and they suck on the bottle like they're, like they're you know, about to die of hunger. They desire that milk and they have to have it pretty often and they have to have it ongoing all the time. That's what he's saying to us. Us as all of us believers, we should desire the word like a baby desires milk that we might grow because of it, thereby. Look at this one. Sanctify. There's the word hagios again, the Greek word. Set us apart. Make us different. And uh, Christ's likeness. Sanctify them. Jesus is praying to the Father. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And then Romans 10, 17 so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Sanctification, faith. You know, it could be the reason we're not much like Jesus is because we haven't let the word do in us what God wants it to do. Maybe we don't have as much faith as we wish we had. And here's the problem. We haven't let the word saturate us and have its work in us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And so, uh, the word is the tool God uses most. Here's some practical thoughts about the word now. We'll close with this. Attend church and listen. <laughs> This, the second part's pretty important. You've got to listen, you know. Uh, when the preacher's preaching, myself, Dr. Miller, or somebody else, when somebody's preaching or teaching the Word, listen to what God has laid on their heart. Listen to what God has taught them because God has a message for us and uh, we should listen to the Word. We have, you know, sometimes a baby cries and people have to get up and walk them in the lobby. That's the reason we have... Uh, TVs in the lobby that's showing the service and sound in the lobby so people can still listen. So attend and listen. And of course, if you're, if you're uncomfortable coming to church because of COVID, you can watch online. We still consider that attending around here, though we would, we would love to have everybody in person, but if you're not comfortable with that, we understand. And then attend a Bible study 
Dr. Jeremiah spoke about it in the series we're watching on Wednesday nights. Small groups, how important that is. You fellowship, you see examples, you have fellowship, like we talked about a few moments ago, iron sharpening iron. Find you a Bible study. We have, I think, three on Sunday morning. One's going on right now. Uh, we have uh, three on Sunday morning. We have three on Sunday night. And even if you're watching online, you can uh, uh, be a part of Dr. Miller's Bible study at 6 o'clock. That's online. And then the last thing, have a daily time in the Word, even if it's short. Now, I'm not recommending it be short, but I know how busy everybody is. I'm saying do something in the Word every day, even if it's short. Miss Karen and I put together some information for you regarding that. And when you leave, you can pick it up. It says... The Word of God daily. Looks like this. And it has my suggestion that you can read the whole New Testament, the book of Proverbs, and the book of Psalms. You can read all of that by reading one chapter a day. And uh, I, put a, I put the order of the books as I would recommend them. The book of Proverbs is the first one. And so you can pick that up if you're interested. Uh, then uh, you can look at that. But we put, we put a lot of other things in here too. For instance, Pastor Jonathan Falwell has a one-minute devotion every day. Now you could listen to that in one minute. Whether you're getting ready in the morning or on your way to work, just one, just takes one minute of your day and you got a little bit of the Word in there as much as he can put in in one minute. David Jeremiah has devotionals and sermons and so forth online. You can pick up a daily bread. We have daily breads, the little devotional books, and you'll get at least a, a verse, two, three verses maybe in there and some explanation of that verse. Do something every week. And then on the back it even talks about you can, uh, you can read through the whole Bible by reading four chapters a day and there's some schedules on there and so forth the Word. Let's make this a year of the Word for us. I close. Well, I tell you what, let's stop right there. This is a powerful book. Let's let it unleash its power on us this coming year. Bow with me, please. With our heads bowed, maybe you'd say, Preacher, I I know I'm saved, no doubt about that, but I want you to pray for me because I do want this year to be a year where I come to know the Lord better and better and more intimately and where I am transformed more and more into Christ's likeness. I want that for my life. I want that for myself. If that's your prayer, would you slip your hands up all over the building? Yes, hands are up all over the building. My hand's up too. That's what I want for myself. You may put them down. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you've never had your sins forgiven, as we sing this hymn in just a second, we ask you to step out of wherever you are and make your way to the front. Someone will help you and pray with you if you need to trust Christ. Father, you've seen our hands. Stir in us this morning. Stir us again with a desire to press on, to press forward, to 
stop looking back and to desire to be what you want us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand please. We're going to sing together. And as we do, if you